Miracy. So you're not starting over from scratch. You are bringing so much in with you. The strengths that we tend to minimize because they come so naturally to us, sometimes we do that with our lived experience and the experiential learning that we've accumulated as well. But that matters. That has value. And we're able to serve our communities when we share those experiences and we allow people to learn with us and from us. Do you find yourself in a rut in your corporate job or any kind of job and feel the pull to make a career change and you like to transition into coaching? But maybe you feel insecure about who you would be as a coach or subconsciously you discount and doubt your experience as relevant for coaching. Hi, I'm Melinda Cohen and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped tens of thousands of coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where we answer burning questions that newer coaches would love to ask a more experienced coach. Changing and transitioning into a new career can be daunting. I have been there myself. It can feel like you're walking away from all you've accomplished just to start over again, but that's not true. What you've done so far it still counts. With me today, I have a business coach that will bring clarity on how to transition into coaching. I've invited Lee Shea McDonough to the conversation. Lee is an ICF certified business coach, former therapist, host of the Coach with Clarity podcast, and author of the amazing best-selling book, Act on your business. After working for 15 plus years as a psychotherapist and public health professional, she launched a private coaching practice to support helpers and healers who were ready to grow successful businesses. Welcome, Lee. Thank you so much, Melinda. I am thrilled to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. This is one of my favorite topics. How do coaches get started in their business? And we're going to dive into that. But before we do, Would you mind just sharing a little bit of your background with our listeners about how you maybe have transitioned into coaching? I would be happy to. And as you alluded to before, my first career was as a social worker and public health professional and psychotherapist. And ever since I was 14 years old, I really thought I was going to, at some point in my life, be a therapist. That was the golden ring that I spent decades working towards, really. And once I achieved it, I found that I enjoyed the work. And because my husband was in the military, we moved quite a bit and I was able to have quite a variety of experiences as a therapist. Moving from state to state and even country to country was a little challenging. But once I figured out how to make all the licensure issues work, I found it was a fairly portable career. It was when he got out of the Air Force and we moved back to the United States after being stationed in Germany for four years, which was amazing. At that time, when we moved back, I had two school-aged children who had essentially grown up in Europe. And I thought to myself, this is going to be a huge transition. We're moving to a country that they're not familiar with. They're starting new schools. My husband is transitioning out of the military, not just into civilian life, but he had bought a dental practice. He's a periodontist. And so he had a huge transition as well. So I decided to take a pause and make my full-time job supporting my family in making this transition. 
And I'm really glad I did that. And yet about nine months into it, I started getting the itch to return to some sort of professional life. And yet I knew in my gut that mental health was no longer the arena I was being called to serve in. And I didn't really know where I was supposed to be. I knew I still wanted to serve other people, but I wanted it to look and feel a little different than mental health had. And while all of this was going on, as I mentioned, my husband had bought this dental practice and he was really learning how to be a business owner. He is an exceptional clinician, but dental school and his residency and the Air Force didn't necessarily prepare him to be a business owner. And so he was really doing a lot of on-the-job training and learning as he went. And there's this really unique tension that happens when you are exceptional in one area of your work, the actual doing of the work, but you are a novice in another area. And for him, that was running a business. And that tension created a lot of stress and anxiety. And I kept thinking to myself, I wish there was someone who could support him through this process. And the more research I did, that's when I started learning more about coaching and business coaching. And I had the realization, I think I could do this. I think I could combine my background as a therapist and my work with mindset and supporting people through difficult times. And also all of this experience I've gained helping my husband in his business, maybe I can blend the two and become a coach. And so I really credit him with being my inspiration for getting into the profession. And now over seven years later, I run coach training programs and I support other people as they transition into coaching as well. I love that. And when we think about that transition, like let's dive in. So Mm -hmm. how can experienced professionals, like you were just describing your husband, he's completely gifted at one thing, a novice at another. Mm -hmm. How do they make that transition? How does that process go from a thought to actually the transition happening? Like they feel, you know, I'd love to coach, but how can I actually begin doing that? What I have found is that they've got one foot in their existing world, one foot in this new world that they want to be, or maybe just like even a tiny pinky toe sometimes Mm -hmm. into this new world. And it's like this back and forth. For me, I got fired from my job. They could see the writing on the wall that I couldn't see because I had been dabbling in coaching and was doing more and more of it. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a, I'm in both worlds. It was, oh crap, I am now in this new world. So I had to figure it out. But those people that are making the transition, how can they do that? What I have found is that we tend to at first kind of lead with our heads. We get really cerebral and we're like, okay, what am I going to do? And what's my plan? And how do I make this happen? And where do I find clients? And, you know, the brain can kind of spin out a bit. And so what I suggest is pausing and really kind of dropping down into the body and starting not from this place of focusing on the external, the clients and the how-to, but really connecting within. And asking the questions around, why am I called to do this work? What are my core values and how do they align with this work I'm feeling called to do? And what is it about me in particular that makes me so well-suited for this new career? And in my case, it's coaching. And that last question is the one that tends to trip up a lot of the people I work with. Some of us are conditioned to really minimize our own gifts and strengths. And we've been told, you know, don't be too big for your britches. Don't be a show off. And so it can be difficult sometimes to really claim our gifts and our skills and our talents. And then on the flip side, what I often found, and this was the case for me too, 
The things that come easily to me are so connected to my gifts, but because they come easily, I tend to write them off. I assume, well, everyone can do that. Everyone's able to do that. This doesn't make me special. This doesn't make me different. When in fact, not everyone is able to do what I do or see the world the way I do. And that really is what differentiates me. So I really love to start with this identity work first, core values, strengths, skills, and your big why. Because when we're really clear on that, then we can return to some of those more tactical questions of, okay, how do I do this? Where do I go from here? But I like to anchor that work in that deep identity work first. It's so important because that that's like our beacon. Because mm-hmm. the road to being an entrepreneur, having your own business, doing your own thing, it's not easy for sure. It's not for the faint of heart. It's a difficult journey, but one of the most rewarding I've ever experienced. And so having that identity work really becomes our beacon. It's like a tether uh, so that we don't just feel like we're floating in space and the ethers of never, never land. What are some of the most common fears that people have when either thinking about making the transition or as they start the transition? I would say, and there are a lot of fears out there, but what I find is that when we really drill down, it comes down to a fear of failure. Um, Will I be able to make this work? What happens if I don't? What does that say about me? What does that say about my business? And to be perfectly honest with you, that is something that I struggled with myself for the first 18 months that I was practicing as a coach. I came at this from the perspective, and in hindsight, I can see that this was not a very supportive perspective, but it is what it is. I was telling myself, if you are going to walk away from a successful career as a therapist, if you are going to, quote, give up that piece of your identity, then you better make this coaching thing work. And you're going to need to do whatever it takes to make it work. And in my mind, make it work meant being successful, being profitable, having clients. And so instead of doing that identity work that I just described, I stayed at that cerebral level. I looked at what other coaches who I viewed as successful were doing. And I went beyond just trying to model my business and behavior after them. I took it as this is the only way to be successful. And somewhere along the way, I got it in my mind that in order to be successful, I had to be a corporate coach. And so Mm. I crafted logos and websites and built a brand around this identity that didn't reflect me at all. And so 18 months in, I was having hmm, a little bit of success maybe. I had some clients and I was making progress, but I was miserable. And I felt like I was a ghost in my own business. And so it was at that point that I really had to step back and say, why am I doing this? And what needs to change for me to feel more content inside my business? Mm -hmm. There's this quote that a colleague of mine, uh, Ryan Levesque, I heard him say it, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I've repeated it many times, emulate before you innovate. And what I've heard you describe is, even about your own journey. And I think this is true in business. Because we're a novice at business, most of the coaches that I know that are launching their business, they've never done this. They've been an employee. They, mm-hmm. They've been a manager. They've been an executive or something of another position, but they've never had their own business. And so this mm-hmm. is brand new territory for them. And so I think it's important to first emulate, meaning you got to learn what you need to know. Mm-hmm. and you have to understand that before you can innovate. And, and your journey, 
you know, you were following the shoulds, which I also think is a big mistake. And that was Mm -hmm. you kind of getting in and figuring your way through it so that you could then understand how to innovate and put you inside your business. I love that quote. And I think you're exactly right. I think I got caught in the trap of emulating and emulating and emulating yes. and not moving into the innovation <laughs> yeah. stage, right? Yes, I think and that's I, a very important thing is emulate before you innovate, but don't leave yourself behind. Like there is a time where you've got to then say, okay, now I know what I need to know. Now, how do I put me into this? That's exactly right. Now, I want to go back to what you said a moment ago when you talked about the fear of failure mm-hmm. and the do whatever it takes attitude. Mm-hmm. Let's say I'm a new coach or one of our listeners that's listening in, they're considering coaching or they've been thinking about doing it, but they haven't really made that step. Is there a way, Lee, that you could say, okay, new coach, here's a little checklist of whatever it's going to take. This is what that's going to be. What it, what's involved with do whatever it takes? What does that actually mean? Well, I think first it's defining what do what it takes means and like do what it takes to accomplish what, like complete that sentence, fill in the blank. What are we really working towards here? So once we're clear on that, then we can move forward. And and one of the things that a lot of my clients and the members of my group program, the Coach with Clarity Collective have asked for is a roadmap. Will you just give me a roadmap so that I can Mm -hmm. build my business? And I tried. I sat down to it and I was going to make them a roadmap and do this and then this and then this. And I found that a roadmap was actually, even though it was the tool they wanted, I'm not sure it was the tool they needed. And the more I worked on it, the more I realized they don't need a roadmap. They need a compass. They need to know what direction to head in each phase of their business, understanding that sometimes we are going to pivot and sometimes we're going to go back and need to head in the same direction again. On my compass, for example, one of the directions is really marketing focused. And we can't really put marketing on a roadmap or on a checklist because that's not something we do once and then we're done. That's something we're going to continue to return to. So I really like the idea of being really clear around what are the directions that I need to head in my business? How do I know when it's time to head in that direction? How do I know when it's time to change directions? And I just feel like that's a more fluid way of thinking about it rather than, say, a checklist or a roadmap. Because as you know, like business evolves. And so we need to be able to kind of evolve with it. Another thing that I believe is an attribute in the do whatever it takes is you've got to be profoundly comfortable with the uncomfortableness of becoming an entrepreneur. Like as an entrepreneur, by definition, like we have these ideas, a ton of ideas that never seem to stop. It's what, I mean, it's the hallmark of being an entrepreneur. It's why we're doing our own thing. And we're able to then take those ideas and turn them into something. And so that always keeps us out of our comfort zone. We always live and operate out of our comfort zone. And so part of the do whatever it takes is you have to learn how to get comfortable outside your comfort zone. That is so true. You are speaking my language right now. Because when I was practicing as a therapist, my theoretical orientation was something called acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT for short. And that's the ACT in the title of my book, ACT on Your Business. And one of the fundamental principles of ACT, and this is something I've been able to pull into my coaching practice as well, is that when things get uncomfortable, the temptation is to try to avoid it. You know, when these unwanted feelings come up, we tend to try to push them away. Interestingly, when unwanted thoughts come up, We have a tendency to fuse with them. 
we tend to automatically believe them because if our mind is generating it, it must be true. And so what ACT suggests actually is that we need to learn to create space between our thought and our self-concept, our identity. So cognitive diffusion is the technical term. So we are diffusing the self from the thought so that we can recognize I am having this uncomfortable thought, but I don't have to buy into it and I don't have to let it define me. And then on the flip side with uncomfortable emotions, instead of numbing out, avoiding, doing things to not have to deal with those feelings we don't necessarily want, it is about creating space for them as well, but more about kind of inviting them in, understanding that thoughts and feelings, they're transient. They're going to come and go. And so we don't need to expend our energy on trying to get rid of them. And so that is something that I've really brought into my coaching work, this idea of part of being comfortable with the discomfort is recognizing how our thoughts and emotions play into that and then being really intentional in how we respond to them. That's beautiful. Now, you mentioned the fear of failure earlier. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I hear quite a bit from newer coaches or folks that want to get into this work is the fear of success. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is that your experience as well? Oh, yes. Not only do I hear it, I feel that myself. I mean, yeah, that is definitely... Both. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, because there is this idea of when I hit this success metric, whatever that looks like, how will that change things? How will it change my relationships? How will it change my life? Am I ready for this? And so there are all sorts of what ifs that can accompany success. And when we don't have the answers, our mind does a great job of trying to fill in the blanks. Sometimes it's filling in the blanks with things that are a little scary or, you know, seem a little fear inducing. And that's just the mind trying to prepare us for the worst. You know, it's protecting us by making sure we are ready to handle whatever comes our way, no matter how scary or awful it is. Again, once we recognize that it's the mind filling in the blanks the way it's going to, and then we can regain that sense of control and we can say, you know, there's a different narrative here. There's a different possibility that can come from success outside of what my mind is telling me right now. Let's explore what that could look like. Then I find that can be an antidote to some of the fear of success issues that come up. So how long did it take you to transition into your business and find your style that you could bring to your clients? I think I really had to get past that first 18-month period that I mentioned before. And then after that point, it was probably another six to nine months. So I would say for me, at least two years. In hindsight, I think maybe I could have shortened that period of time a bit had I not kind of gotten stuck in the, the, the shoulds earlier. Um, but yes, I think part of this is setting reasonable expectations for yourself. And I, I want to come back to that as a part of do whatever it takes, because I think do whatever it takes could be interpreted as don't stop, keep hustling, give it your all. Sometimes doing what it takes means resting, means giving yourself space to reflect and pause. You know, when we think about getting your basic needs met, I mean, certainly rest and kind of aligning our nervous systems, that's part of it as well. And I don't want to give short shrift to that piece as well. That part of working towards that success means taking care of yourself, whatever that looks like, physically, emotionally, spiritually. That is part of doing what it takes too. Self-care is not a reward after the fact. It's a, mm -hmm. so you can get through the fact. So you can do it to the best of your ability and so that we can bring all of ourselves to what we're building. 
Yes. For me, part of that, especially in the last few years of my own coaching journey, has been introducing the concept of compassion and what it means to be compassionate towards myself as I am growing and learning and and building my business, and then how I can extend that compassion to others as well. Because it's so easy to get down on ourselves and think we're not doing enough, we're not good enough, we're not fill in the blank enough for whatever it is, which is a very difficult place to be. And I've been there before, and it does not feel good when we're berating ourselves, even though we've been doing our very best. And I think compassion, self-compassion first, can really be the key to helping navigate some of that as well so that we can return to our businesses with a sense of grace and ease and understanding that it's not about getting it right or getting it perfect from out the gate. It's about giving ourselves permission to grow and evolve and learn and to make mistakes. Although we could argue there are no mistakes, there's just life lessons, but to make those mistakes and then mine them for the, the gold nuggets and use that as, as we move forward. For me, compassion has really been the key uh, in supporting myself as my business has grown. And one tool that we have at our disposal to support us is the practice of, of mindfulness and specifically non-attachment. And I think for me, this is one of the most challenging pieces is not attaching myself to the outcome, not attaching myself to the goal. If I am able to have a launch of an offer and it's not going as well as I would have hoped, well, I could get really down on myself and I could interpret it as a failure and have all of the inner critic stuff come to the front, which it often does. And so then I just, you know, practice the mindset work and and give myself some compassion for that. But then I can detach myself from the outcome and I can look at it almost like I'm a scientist and say, okay, if this was an experiment and I had a hypothesis that this offer was going to go and I was going to have a a successful launch. And then I ran the experiment and that didn't happen. Okay, let's look at why. What were the variables involved? What variables might I want to tweak next time in order to improve the likelihood of a successful result? And so that non-attachment then allows us the objectivity to step back. And in doing so, we make the outcome not about ourselves. It's not a reflection of my worthiness as a coach or as a person. It's simply, oh, this didn't go the way I wanted. Let's step back. Let's see what we can take and tweak. And let's try again next time. Now, when I was talking in the introduction, when people are making this transition into coaching, self-doubt, it creeps up because we're heading into new territory, uncharted territory, Mm -hmm. where we've been an expert often at something, or at least really good at it, but now we're becoming a novice at something. So, you know, a lot of folks have several jobs behind them. Mm-hmm. What can you say to reassure our listeners that everything in their history remains relevant as they begin in coaching? Yes. I First and foremost, I would say that the skills and knowledge acquired in these previous jobs are almost always transferable into the field of coaching in some form or fashion. So you are not starting from square one. You are bringing a wealth of lived experience and knowledge and training with you. And in fact, when you're able to pull that in, that helps set you apart from other people in the coaching industry. And it's going to help you connect with the people who really align with who you are and how you want to operate your business. So you're not starting over from scratch. You are bringing so much in with you. 
the strengths that we tend to minimize because they come so naturally to us, sometimes we do that with our lived experience and the experiential learning that we've accumulated as well. But that matters. That has value. And we're able to serve our communities when we share those experiences and we allow people to learn with us and from us. So I think that's the first thing I would say is just a reassurance that all you've done so far certainly is transferable into this next step. Then it's a question of how do you want to transfer that? What is that going to look like? And that's where we can kind of get into the nuts and bolts around, well, who do you want to work with? Um, What approach do you want to take? How do you want to support people? That's where we can really start defining those foundational pillars of your business. First, we need to understand all of that that you're bringing with you is of vital importance to the next step you're about to take. I think a lot of people discount that. They're like, oh, that chapter's over. Close the door. Don't look at it. Now I'm going into coaching. I truly believe it goes back to when we're out of our comfort zone, everything gets exaggerated. And because that survival state is there to make sure we're safe moving forward. But a lot of people misinterpret that as you better move backwards to stay safe. It's like, no, no, just make sure you're moving forward with eyes wide open. And your experience helps you do that. It helps Mm -hmm. you tell the stories, be authentic while you're starting something new to to ground into what you do know, because it is transferable. And so we've talked about several different things. I just want to make sure that we're really capturing for our listeners. I think we have, but I I think it's important to emphasize. So let's say that we've got a person that they've had a job. Maybe they're great at sales at their former job. They've worked for that corporation or company for many years, and now they're pulled towards coaching. What's the first thing that you would say to that client when they step into your office and they feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to start. What needs to be in place to start that transition? So they're like, okay, I can take this step. I am a firm believer in education, professional education, really for any profession, but especially for coaching. And I want to be clear that what that education looks like will differ from coach to coach. For some people, perhaps those with not a lot of experience in providing human service delivery Maybe a more formal coach training program might be something they want to explore. But for many of us who have experience working with other people, whether it's in human resources or like for me as a therapist, maybe what we need is more coach-specific education that can look like webinars and workshops, listening to podcasts, reading books, maybe even working with your own coach if you haven't yet already. I do think great coaches have great coaches. And if you want Mm -hmm. to move into the coaching profession, It really helps to have had the experience of being coached powerfully. So I think that's where I would start is just kind of assessing their level of familiarity with coaching and seeing if there are any gaps that we can fill through additional education. And again, that's not something we just check the box on and move on. Even now, I'm continuing to enroll in continuing education programs and Mm -hmm. and training programs because we want to keep growing and evolving as coaches. But when we're first starting out, we need to be sure that we're really clear on the foundational principles of coaching. It's one of the reasons why I am a member of the International Coaching Federations and my programs are accredited because they have very clear competencies that they expect their coaches to meet. And so when we're able to say, all right, here are the competencies, how do you feel in each one of these areas? Where do you feel comfortable? Where might you benefit from a little extra education? Then not only does that kind of help you in your skill set, It also alleviates some of the anxiety that comes from, can I really do this? 
you know, do I have what it takes? Um, that's where we can kind of calm the mind down a bit and say, well, here's a set of things that we're working towards. Let's see how you're doing on each one of those and then move forward. That's on the skill side. And then on the business side, of course, there are so many resources out there to support newer business owners in getting their businesses off the ground and up and running. There are coaching specific programs. There are local resources like your chamber of commerce. And so it's really about seeing what resources are out there and available to you and availing yourself of them. And then ultimately, like trusting the process. This is an investment of time and energy. And yes, sometimes money as well. And if you stay with it, if you're consistent, if you know that do what it takes, then you're going to start to see results. That's kind of the in a nutshell version of what I think I would say to someone who's just starting out. Yeah, I would agree. And I would also say that those two, it doesn't have to be linear. You don't have to do your, you know, getting trained in the skills of coaching. That's Correct. over. And then get the business training. I know my personal yes. path, because I was fired, I'm like, oh, snap, we got to do this now. And so it was a simultaneous at the same time, learning the skills of coaching and those core competencies you talked about and learning what does it mean to have my own business? And I think a lot of coaches their enthusiasm and passion has them focusing so much on what they love that they just focus on the coaching aspect of it. And then they ask the question, well, how can I get clients? Because I, I just want to do more coaching. But if I could get my hand on every single coach out there, I would say start your professional education on the skill side of coaching and the business side simultaneously, unless you've had your own business and then just jump right in. That is such a good point. I'm so glad you made that. You don't have to do one before the other. And in fact, I have seen a lot of coaches kind of get stuck in that lifelong learner path. And don't get me wrong, I'm a lifelong learner. I always want to be learning. But we need to be applying what we've learned and we need to be taking action. And those business pieces allow us to take action. When we have a strong business foundation to support us, then we can put ourselves out there and do the work we love as coaches. But we need to have both. So yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Don't, don't wait. Don't wait. Put yourself out there. Be willing to make some mistakes. Find mentors and resources that can support you. That is going to be pivotal to your growth as a coach. Well, Lee, I know we could keep talking about this topic <laughs> and go off in so many different tangents, and we might do that on other episodes. Right now, I want to summarize some of the things that we've talked about inside this conversation. We talked about when it comes to making the transition that often we first lead with our head, but that's only part of it. We have to drop into our body and do what you called the identity work and ask those vital questions ourselves and answer them. Why am I called to do this work? What are my core values? What about this makes me so well suited for this work? And when we can do that kind of identity work, it becomes our, our tether, our beacon to move forward. We talked about the fears that a lot of people have in the transition, the fear of failure, the fear of success. We talked about the do whatever it takes attitude. And we talked about some of the mistakes, not following the shoulds for too long, making sure that you emulate before you innovate, but don't get stuck in the emulate, emulate, emulate phase and uh, make sure that you do bring yourself into your business. It's not a, a quick thing to do overnight, but you can make the transition intentionally. We talked about having compassion. I call it massive compassion towards ourself first, extending it to others, and that permission to grow and evolve and learn and making sure that we are willing to make the mistakes 
as long as we learn from them. Like just making mistakes, that's just banging your head against the wall. But I love when you said, make sure we mine the gold nuggets from them. You gave us a beautiful tool to be in the mindfulness and non-attachment to the outcome and goals. And we even talked about how to be different at setting goals. Oh my gosh, we talked about how your history is transferable. You gave us the first step towards this. We covered so much in this conversation. Lee, do you have any parting words for our listeners? I think I would close by saying that if you are feeling called to be a coach, if you are listening to our conversation or if you've had conversations just with yourself and you feel that draw to coaching, follow it. Okay, that's, that's your intuition saying this is your next right step. And so it's about trusting that voice inside and then deciding, all right, where do I want to go from here? Um, all too often, it's so easy to minimize that internal voice and to say, oh, I'm just, I'm just, it's just a pipe dream. I'm just, you know, if only. But I would challenge you, if you're really feeling like this is your next step, to acknowledge that, to own it, and then to take action. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big thank you to Lee for this amazing conversation. You can find out more about her at coachwithclarity.com. That's coachwithclarity.com. And Lee has a really fun quiz, Discover Your Coaching Style. You can take that quiz to find out what type of coach you could become. You'll find the link in the show notes. Lee, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which is also including such shows as Making It and Blowing Up. Cynthia Lamb produced this episode. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. She assembled the episode. Danny Innie is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. If you want to listen to upcoming great episodes on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to even more people.